Blog Talk Radio. Join us as we travel into the inner workings of John Cheney's mind. Beyond Midcourt is another dimension. A dimension of pressure. A dimension of coverage. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land. Two slow-footed white guys, incapable of playing man-to-man. Of help side defense and active hand. You've just crossed half-court into the matchup zone. Zone. Mike and Kevin coming to you live from the Phone Pack Studio here in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Coming to you a little early today. I uh, want to give a little respect to the game tonight, so I uh, wanted to go a little early so we can really get our two cents in before all the pundits chime in. Uh, talking a little uh, NBA basketball today, also uh, talking a little NBA draft coming up. Uh, also going to be talking with uh, Christina Fogey, who is... Uh, Vanderbilt's what a Van, one of the greats of Vanderbilt's women's basketball. Uh, also a, a friend of the show, a, a terrific, terrific human being, and uh, just a great, great basketball player. Playing with um, played for the Minnesota Lynx as well. Uh, so we'll be talking to her about her WNBA experience as well as her college experience, kind of being one of the best college players in the world. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. So we should have a, we have a good show lined up for you today. Uh, again, coming to you live from the Phone Pack Studios. Mike, how are we today? Kev, I can't wait for this game tonight. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever been so excited for a game. I am too. After everything that happened the other night with the whole the heat and the cramps and the yeah. pressure. and um, I, I'm, I'm just excited for tonight's game. I think it's going to be a good game. I think LeBron's going to go off tonight. But I still think the Spurs can win this game. Yeah, I agree. Everyone is saying, everyone, everyone is saying the Heat are going to win this game. Yeah. Especially because when they've lost before, they always win game two. When they lose the first game of the series, they always come back and win. I don't know if it's going to be that easy. No. The Spurs are so deep, they spread you out. They're just getting performances. Like, Mario Chalmers is giving you nothing right nothing. now. Nothing. Shane Battier is giving you nothing. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean they can't turn around and, and play well tonight? Shane Battier, I think last year in the finals, one game made six threes. Yeah. Was that Mike Miller. There's Mike Miller, but Shane Battier had a few good games, too. Um you know, so they, they, they certainly have the players that are capable of, of, of coming back and win this game tonight. But if I'm the Spurs, I have to play this game like this is the like series. It's a, yeah, like, like this it's is it. the series. And I know it's a hard mentality. You're up one game. You're home. Um, I, I got to believe, Kev, that these guys, after we're in the first game, they're, I, I got to believe you're not as fired up. But somehow Pop has got to get in these guys' heads and say, you know what, guys? If we win this series, we take total control. Yeah, I agree. We take total control. If we lose this year, if we lose this game, now we go back to Miami, mm-hmm. tied, and potentially you could come out of there down, you know. Two, yeah, because it's 2-2-1-1. Two, two, one, two, two, one, one, yeah. right. But uh, I, I, I'm with you. But if there's anyone who's going to get – and you know what? You don't have to say it. It's, it's been said, said to death. If there's one coach who can kind of 
do it, it's Pop. Like, Pop will have his team ready. It's just, you know, we talked about Miami top to bottom is probably a stronger team, but the San Antonio, way San Antonio plays is a, is a, just a different system. They're, they're a better team. Uh, so, you know, be, we'll see what happens. But I, I think if the Spurs pull this out, yeah. I mean, that's that's got to be – they take one in Miami. They mm-hmm. have two games in San Antonio to win. The, so The Spurs played pretty bad, too, up until yeah. the last quarter. Probably the last eight, nine minutes of the fourth quarter. They had 23 turnovers. Yeah. You, they said that's the most turnovers a team has won in the finals game since, I don't know when the hell it was, the 90s or something like that. But they didn't play well. So. No. But all the, that being said, the Heat also didn't play well because they had a six-point lead. LeBron took a couple bad shots late in the shot clock, some 18, 19-foot fadeaway jumpers, which I thought they were they were well-contested. Diaz did a nice job because I guess he saw the shot clock and he knew LeBron couldn't get to the basket, so he had to pull for a jumper, and they were well-contested. Mm-hmm. So if they had a couple empty possessions there, but if they if they if the Heat came down and ran their offense and got some good looks there, they could have easily been up 10, 12 points. Yeah. Instead, you know, they're up six and then down, you know, 15 after that. Yeah. Show brought to you tonight by Foam Pack, supplier of all Graco products. We are just a foam call away, 888-458-2928. By Integrated Play and Renee Shaw, if you're an athlete looking to transition into a career outside the athletic competition, contact Renee, 269-760-3857. Finally, Cross River Realty, specializing in off-campus housing at Temple University, Cross River Realty is also a full-service real estate company located in Philadelphia. Check them out at CrossRiverRealty.com, 267-460-5737. So, uh, Mike, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the game tonight. Now let's go back and talk a little bit about the game uh, on Thursday night. Now, everyone's chimed in with their opinion, so why not? Why not us? <laughs> yeah, why not us? Uh, LeBron's... Cramps. What what are your what are your thoughts? Excuse me. Um LeBron's cramps I did not know, Kev, the cramps are cramps are They're par- menstrual. And apparently hereditary. Uh huh. Which I didn't know. And this has been going back since apparently he was in high school. Now, do I believe Popovich had anything Jack to do? No, of course not. No. Can't do that to the fans, um, yeah. you know. And who knows what's going to happen with your players? You know, you have guys on the court. Yeah, you're the older <laughs> team. Like who, right. who's who's going right. to turn the heat on, uh, jack the heat up on an older team? Here's my take on it: guys today are getting hurt more uh-huh. because they're in better shape. Yeah, and here's and here's and it sounds it sounds weird, but guys are maximizing their bodies. They have two, three, four percent body fat. Mm-hmm. You look in the eighties. Was Larry Bird bit? Was he jacked? No. Was mm-hmm. Kevin McHale jacked? No. Was Magic Johnson built? No. Mm-hmm. You look now. Russell, Russell Westbrook, Dwayne Wade, LeBron. These guys are jacked, and they're look. You go to a shop. There's always Ferraris and Maseratis in the shop. Uh huh. Four Taurus and a Jeep. You can beat to death. Yeah. I, I just think these guys. You look at the baseball players nowadays. They're all in the eighties. I don't remember in the eighties all these guys going down with Tommy John surgery. Everybody out. Yeah. Now what happens? Because you're throwing. You're throwing so hard. Miles an you're hour. throwing so hard. The, the human body can only take so much. And if you look at what LeBron, is, the, the the stress is putting on LeBron. LeBron's two sixty. The fastest guy on the court. Yeah, five percent body fat. Five percent body fat. The fastest guy on the court jumps. He's putting so much stress on his body. Mm-hmm. Um. That being said, I, I hope he's healthy. You know, I, you don't want you don't want to 
you don't want LeBron to be kind of nagged by this, which I don't think you won't, but will. But the Spurs want him at full strength too. Yeah, is it gratifying? You say at the end of the day, we won the series, but LeBron missed. You know, he was hampered games, by. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, you know, if, if you want to beat, you know, like Rick Flair always said, he's, he's staring right at my back here. To be the champ, you got to beat the champ. Yeah, you know, and that's what the Spurs have to do. Yeah, you're right, and. uh you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of nonsense about about Le- even LeBron's injury and should he have toughed it out. People you can't. It's impossible. It's, yeah, I mean, I've had cramps before. That's the thing. You you can't tough it out. It's it's debilitating for for the people who are writing about it. Uh, you've they've obviously never been in a competition yeah. where they've ha- been experienced to cramps. I don't think when you play like golf, yeah. you're gonna get cramps unless you you're yeah. drinking too much. It's like, right. you're, it, it's a, such a foolish thing to write about when you really don't know, but that's just the media and, these and, days. And the thing is too, here's the hard part about cramps. You have to hydrate yourself beforehand. Yeah. A lot of people think, oh, I'm getting cramps. I got to drink water. Oh like, yeah. It's Let me late. get an IV up. Yeah. yeah it's, so it's, 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 it's too late. Uh, oh, eat, eat a couple of bananas. You have to, you have <laughs> drink to, some pickle juice. right. You have to hydrate yourself way before. Yeah. And then people are saying, Oh, well he wears those long spandex pants and that, I don't think they was have no. anything to do with anything. It's just it's sometimes you just get cramps. The thing and you're you you hit hit the nail on the head. The guys who uh, get cramps are the best athletes. Like when you're pushing your muscles to the to the maximum, mm-hmm. your your muscles are not always going to respond. When you're LeBron James and you're the quickest, most athletic yep. player in the world, uh, jumping, running, you're you're in the finals. It's like game one of the finals. You're, you're, you're up, yeah. yeah, you're jacked up. The heat goes out, uh, goes off, or the air, AC goes off. Yeah. It's like the heat goes up. It's 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 tough. You're in the toughest position because you're the you're the star of the team. But at the same time, you're the most athletic, so you're going to be most susceptible to something like this. Well, poor LeBron, man. I mean, yeah, every, I, it's just everything. The they haters could, are, but everything they could kind of go against this guy. It will and people are going to say, I've never seen a guy get more disrespected. Yeah, it's a joke. The fact that people are uh, hate on this guy the way they do, I people are LeBron. It's like like you said, you either love him or you hate him. There's no like in between. Yeah. I'm like in between because we're like the we're the. I don't hate. Look, I, I don't, don't hate LeBron. I don't hate him, but I just don't want to see him win. I don't know if that makes sense or not. I, I, now look, if if they were playing, Tons. if if they were playing, if the if the Heat were playing. Oklahoma City or anybody else. Yeah. I don't care who I just like the Spurs. I think the Spurs, I like the story. I like how their owner guys, Duncan. Um, I, I love the – obviously, you have to like the way they play if you're a basketball purist. Yeah. Now, I understand young – like, we like that. I'm, I'm guessing young kids and, you know. They, they want the dunk. They want the up and down yeah. stuff, the open court. The, the guy, Westbrook's coming down. Put the but to watch the Spurs play, I love watching the diagrams when they break it down on ESPN and they stop it here. The court is always spread. They have a guy rolling their basket. They have two shooters in the corners. They just understand how to play, and it's just fun to watch. And I don't know, the Heat can't move quickly enough defensively. Yeah. I think the Spurs are always going to get good shots. Yeah. Just no matter if they're knocking them down or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I just, I, um, the, the whole LeBron thing just, it puzzles me. Uh, I, I'm not a hater. I like LeBron. I like watching him, but like you're saying, there's people are just so negative. It's just people. I think I feel like what's what's happened now. We talked about this before. The 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 chat rooms and the comment section. Everyone has a voice. The internet has given every dummy with a with right. a with a smartphone. Yeah, a, a voice to chime in and and 
spew their hate like it's that. A, that really is the difference. The, yeah. The, the, the Twitter. Jordan Jordan didn't go through no. that because it was like the sports writers were writing about him. And here's also a different thing: athletes are so much more accessible that they're going to be there's like media time. They're they're going to be interviewed after every game. If Jordan was like, if Jordan was like, no, I'm not talking to this guy anymore. That guy's like out of a job. So they had to kind of kiss their ass a little bit. Some guys had to be honest, but at the same time, they were respectful and things. The media today doesn't need to be that way. They can say whatever they want, and they're still going to get a press pass, and they're still going to talk to you know be able to get in on the action when when LeBron's sitting in front of his locker, which is kind of you know it's which is ridiculous, but the, it's just so much more accessible now that that athletes just have to kind of. They have to just put up with it, and it sucks because Jordan would have never put up with it. Can you imagine Jordan if, like, the the, the hate and the, some of these guys writing about Jordan and, like, the, these big-time people and Gatorade coming out and bashing LeBron? It's like, could you imagine if that happened to Jordan? He'd be like, okay, yeah, I also, you're done. I also don't remember Jordan at NBA Finals press conferences talking about cramps and pressure yeah. and legacies. Like, it's just so much, like... Well, that's kind and of. I feel, it's, ba- it's, I feel pu- bad. He's pushed into that position now. He is pushed, but not by his own doing, by us. Yes, by, by us. everyone else. He's pushed into it. So, and, and I kind of like what he said the other the, the other day, and he, I kind of thought about it for a second. I was like, you know what? He's right. He said at the end of the day, the other day, uh, the end of the press conference, he's like, you know what, guy? He's like, at the end of the day, it's just basketball. Yeah, and it he's is. right. It's just basketball. Yeah. Even though it's his job, it's just basketball. Yeah. You know he's not he's not a doctor where he has someone's life in his hand uh-huh. to perform an open heart surgery. You're not a pilot. Yeah, you're playing basketball exactly. at the end of the day, and nobody does it better than he does when he's healthy. You're right. And, he, he's the, he's the best in the business when it comes down to that. Now let's let's because uh, I, I talked to you briefly about this for a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, I'm looking at these guys and I'm saying, okay, well, you have. You have like LeBron, mm-hmm. and then you have Jordan comparisons. And every time LeBron's in the playoffs, there's going to be the LeBron Jordan comparisons. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you have a guy like Tim Duncan, mm-hmm. who is going to go down as one of the best ever to play. Mm-hmm. But because he's boring, like I talked to you, talked to younger generations, the younger generation about it. I'm like, well, Tim Duncan's a much better player. Like t- Tim Duncan. What he's done is just he he needs to be in that conversation. Right. They're like fucking stinks, but because they don't get it. Right, but I'll tell you why I think I don't think it's because he's boring. He's a center. That's the problem. He but doesn't have the ball in his hands the whole time. And he's a center. And what what do people want? Going to the basket, pull up jumpers, dunking on people. People like that's that that's why I always say when I talk when I when I do my best players of all time, I, I have to put separate centers separately because mm-hmm. they just can't do what the guards can do. People like guys who had the ball in the wing can create on their own, pull up jump shots, get into the basket, reverse layup. Center don't, centers don't do that. Um, so he'll never be regarded, especially at the kid, especially with kids, as one of the one of the greatest five players of all time. Yeah, but I'm saying regarded in terms of as basketball uh, people, like he needs to be put in that conversation. Yeah, like like I'm not sure I would put him ahead of like an Elijah one. Really? Yeah, I don't know. That's insane. I think Tim Duncan, out of, but but look but look look, Tim Duncan, Duncan has more championships and all that. But just look what Akeem could lie, Akeem Olajuwon could do on a basketball court. He's like third all time in steals. He could his jump shot is just much much better than Duncan's. He could face the basket. He could put the ball on the ground and make a hesitation move crossover. He he, he just had more skills than Duncan. I'm, not, I'm, no, not, I'm, I'm thinking. Not, I'm thinking. I, I think Duncan is one of the most skilled. 
in terms of shooting, in ter- I mean, oh, okay, okay, tell positioning, me. Let me know the defensively. Next time, let me know the next time Duncan uses his left hand. Oh, yeah. I really like he. He always makes that move. It drives me nuts. And it's but he gets like, away with it. He does, but I just think Akeem. I'm not saying look. I'm not. I'm not poo pooing on Duncan. Yeah. Obviously, he's a top ten player of all time. Uh huh. But I just think skill wise, Akeem had more skills than he did. I'm not saying he's better. I'm saying he has more skills than he did. His footwork was better. He could shoot the ball better. Um, See, if I'm looking players though, I'm, if I'm looking, you're right. If I'm looking at overall, if I need a seven foot guy in my team. Akeem was so athletic to him. He could run the floor. He was just he was just so good. Yeah. And, and I feel like we all we fall into that trap of new that like you know because Duncan because we're still watching Duncan. Yeah. It's it's hard to go back and really visualize what Akeem can do and all that stuff. But he uh he was I mean, I mean look if you're gonna tell me I have a choice between I can't have uh, Akeem I'm gonna have Duncan I'm not gonna be like oh no 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 um, you know obviously he's a great player but. I don't know. Well, you know what's funny that that whole entire that thing with like the dollar, five dollar, yeah. four dollar. I uh, that was the, that's what I I picked. I Elijah one was like a dollar. Oh, Tim Duncan was with two dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is the easiest possible thing you've ever could have done. Yeah, I picked had, three dollars of the, like the two of the probably two of the best. I think I had Jordan. I think I had Jordan and LeBron. I did too. I it was, I, it was fifteen dollars, right? Yeah, I took Walt Frazier as my point guard for one. The reason is if I have LeBron, I don't need Walt Frazier. Yeah, you're right. I'll need him. I, I think I took Stockton. He was two dollars. Yeah. So I had. I think I had. Frazier was one. Jordan and LeBron were five each. So that's what yeah. that gave me eleven. Uh huh. And then I took uh, Duncan. I think I took was like was Duncan like two. two? And Olajuwon was one. So what did I have? A dollar left over. You had a dollar. Mike had change. <laughs> Oh really? Like, I, I, if you, you can, be LeBron you, can get a co- you can get a good coach for a dollar. <laughs> you can be LeBron and Jordan. I don't care who. I don't care who my point guard is. I'm yeah, be, I'm a point guard. I think uh, you're right. I think pretty much we had the exact same team. I was Jordan, LeBron, yep. Duncan, Olajuwon. You're with, no one's no one's stopping that. Yeah, I don't Shaq? care if you have Shaq. Yeah, I don't care. Just throw throw Shaq in there. Shaq yeah. Shaq's very one dimensional. He's he's strictly inside. He was dominant, and, and but at the same time, he's completely one dimensional. I gotta stop the madness too. We talked about last week. All this stuff, like even like Russell was ranked higher than Wilt on those. Like, dude, yeah. what, what is what are people thinking about yeah. for the ten championships? He had the best players. Look, the NBA was a different. It was. It was. Different. But go back and look what Wilt used to do against Russell. He's averaging like fifty on him. Yeah. Like. It's a joke that uh, that Russell's always ranked higher than Will. Well, the problem is you had it was a different NBA. Now uh, with the with the salary cast and stuff like that, you ha- you can't load up the team. Right. The Celtics had every good player, and then it was like Will Chamberlain uh, was had his own team. There was like four good teams. Now it's it's a, like a completely different story now, where where each team has pretty much a franchise player for the most part. So, yeah. I, I I agree. I think, uh, um, yeah, I, yeah. Look, what what the Heat were able to do is put those guys together with with the big three. Um, you know, you know, it was nice, but I don't think guys in the '80s would have done that. Guys in the, guys in the '80s just would not have done that, including him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Father's Day, oh, uh, no. but. Uh, yeah, you always hear about these guys wanting to beat the other guys. They want to team up with them. But anyway, I, I'm looking forward to this game tonight. I can't wait. Real quick, side note: Did you catch any of the Kentucky or what the hell was that? Shit? The Belmont. Belmont no. Uh, for some reason, I don't, I'm not in the horse racing, but I was kind of just in front of the TV, and I'm clicking through, and I see seven. I see um, 
I see the Belmont Stakes is on. And then I see the next show is getting ready to start at 7. And it was like 6.40. I was like, oh, this thing's got to be going off soon. Let me watch it. So I watch it. And obviously, California Chrome doesn't win. Everybody's upset. Did you hear his owner? Yeah, he flipped out. I did hear Dude, his owner. What a D-bag. I thought it was... Dude, now, he's right. Yeah, but he's but but dude, you're just a sore loser at that point. You are sore. You sound but, like an absolute you know clown. What, the, Wait, is he the, was that the Quaker Oats guy? <laughs> is that Wilford Brimley? <laughs> he had a great voice. But dude, he, he, he did sound no, like a. No, now this is the same guy who said we're not racing if he can't wear if my dude can't wear a navy. Yeah, shirt. that's true. Like no, it was just totally. You sound he is like a sore loser. Jacket. But I I like the fact that he he's came right. out he came out this morning too. And they're like, oh, you know, expect an apology from no, him in the morning. He, yeah. he came out again this morning and was like, this is BS. Dude, like, could, this is... He couldn't sleep last night. No. And I, you know what? He's, you're right. He but is horse right. Horse racing needs something like, like you no, know, he's right. That, you know, the fresh legs. But do you think people are going, oh, let's hold out because we don't want California Chrome to win the Triple Crown? Like, the re- you know what? No other reason people, the, the Triple Crown doesn't happen all the time? Because it's hard. Yeah. There's a reason it doesn't happen. Is it because the horse has fresh legs? Maybe. That's the way it is. I just don't know anything. I don't know enough about horse racing to even. Oh, I, I don't either. But they were saying like he was in a bad position and the dirt was getting, the dirt was in his face and when the dirt was flying in his face, he doesn't run well or something. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about horse racing. I don't know what to take of that. I don't see. I don't people know anything. People, people dude, love Kev, horse racing. It's over in a minute and a half. I just it's can't. like the build up, and then it's, it's all build up. Well, that's the thing. I just, it's so, I, and I, I've usually watched the Kentucky Derby. I've met, I don't, I don't think I've watched the Preakness in like 10 years, but, uh, I'll watch it. No, you know what? When I actually watched my buddy, uh, he had a horse in it. What the hell was that horse's name? It was real. What was I, it won the Kentucky Derby. Let me look up past Kentucky Derby winners. He affirmed, I think it won the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness and lost in the Belmont. Uh, what was it? Dude, you know, horse racing is like the old WWF matches. Like, it's all build up. The match yeah. is like not that good. It's all the it's all the promos and yeah. leading up to it and the stuff behind the scenes and the pipers pits and all that. And then you get to the match, you're like, this isn't that fun. Animal Kingdom. Animal Kingdom. Animal Kingdom. He 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 had like a, a partial ownership. So he had a horse in the race. He had a horse in the race. So it was like uh, I forget what the team, what whoever whoever was like the ownership group. Uh, that was he. He was he was part of that ownership group, and he. Let me see if it won. Where did it win? Yeah, it won the it won the Kentucky Derby. I don't know. I can't find anything right now. Won the won the Kentucky Derby. Uh, no, and then it came second in the Preakness. Okay. But it was it was just really cool because I remember. Uh, that was like the first Preakness I watched because I was just like, oh my god, your horse won the Kentucky Derby. I remember driving and. Uh, we stopped at like a friend's house to watch the Kentucky Derby, and I was just like, "Oh, my friend has a horse in this." Like it was like a long shot, like twenty something right. to one, twenty one or yep. twenty to one to one odds. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, you know, it's not going to win, but it will be fun to kind of be like, "Oh, my friend has," and it won. Right. And we were like going ape ape crap yeah. over it, and uh, yeah, it was kind of cool to kind of be like, "Oh, well, now it's in the Preakness; it's got a chance." I felt bad for the two horses who got off to a bad start, and they're just like way, way lagging behind. Yeah. And like, what do you do? Like, you're just like, oh, I give. I, mean, I, I guess just, you have to yeah. finish it out, but you know, I, I would, I would ease up on the whip at that point. You're like, all right, buddy, yeah. it's not your day. No, it's let's not just, your day. Um, just... Dude, it was funny. Did you see the jockey getting interviewed by like the normal size man? 
It looked like the guy was on a milk crate or the jockey was on his knees. It was just like, I know the camera angle, like they had to look down because they couldn't look like straight ahead because you'd see like the jockey's eyebrows. Well, are they? And, I, and, this, and I'm not saying this. No, they're not. Okay. But they're like they're, smaller they're than small little people. people. Yeah, they're small people. But they're like smaller than little people. Like, because little people are like a like, little what was Willie, What was Willie, Willie Shoemaker? You would make a great who? Willie Shoemaker. I don't know who that is. He was a jockey. He's like the, one of the most famous jockeys. From By who? Whose account? I don't know. Like you could, watch, I'm going to Google Willie Shoemaker right now. I, I guarantee I'm going to, I want to type in his whole name. I don't know that guy. Willie Shoemaker. Here he is. Willie Shoemaker. Willie William Lee Bill Shoemaker was an American jockey for 29 years. He's the world record of number of professional jockey victories. Well, let's, how tall is Willie Shoemaker? I I don't know who William Shoemaker is. So, You're asking me questions. No, I'm just I know, I'm saying, I'm talking to myself. Let's see how uh-huh. how tall how big was Willie? How big of a fellow was this guy? Willie Shoemaker. 1,883 wins. Wow. He's 72. Is he still riding? I don't think so. How tall is he? I'm going to say very small. Oh, he died. Oh, he died. Oh, he died in 2003 at 72. Oh, okay. Um, would he run, like, Secretariat or one of those, like, fancy horses? <laughs> I don't know what he ran, but how tall was he? I'm guessing he's small. Yeah, but I want to get a feel of how... How how small he actually is. I'm going to Google Willie Shoemaker height. Let's do that. All right. So anyway, I'm saying that little people are like stockier. It feels like they're smaller than little people, but they're like... He weighed one pound, 13 ounces. Oh, at birth. (laughs) Wait, nah. Weighing only one pound, 13 ounces at birth. Shoemaker grew to an adult weight of 98 pounds and a height of four feet, 11 and a half inches. Uh, I have kids in my class, class who are that tall. Yeah, you teach sixth grade. This is a grown man. So he weighed, yeah, that's not good. He didn't weigh 100 pounds. That's, yeah. I mean, when you're born at one pound, you I think you should be... Shot. Yeah, I think you should be lucky that you won uh, how many races? 8,883. 8, yeah, so yeah, good for him. Dude, that's a ton of races. How many horse races are there? Could, but Over he's like... 8,000 I don't races? think he's riding the same horse. He's just like, he's not, not jumping. the same horse. No, but I'm saying, what is he just, ju- I mean, he's racing probably like four or five times a day at like the Garden State racetrack. <laughs> he was racing like four or five times a day for, and he was just like, I'll, I'll win two out of five today. You win two out of five every day for 365 days a year. Guess what? You have 600 wins. You don't have to race that long. 3,000? 8,000. Oh. Dude, that's a ton of wins, man. That's a ton of wins. Jeez. Yeah, that is, you really do have to. When I broke that down in my head, I was like, wow, two out of five every single day? That's that's pretty impressive. Wow. Whatever. Yeah, so, yeah they're, they're, they're smaller people, obviously. They are. Um, that's, like, real small. I don't know. Just, I don't know. That's, like, really, that kind of boggles my mind a little bit. How long how, do you think he's going to live? He lived till 74. Oh, that's right. He's 73. So, longer than I will. No. Maybe. Um <laughs> <laughs> Well, our producer—I saw our producer Dave over the weekend, and he's—he uh, was busting on me about that. Really, uh, really giving me the business for the uh, saying that I was going to die soon. No, I'm not going to die soon. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty morbid. But uh, anyway, back to back off of horse racing. Uh, so yeah, you know that I think the I, obviously the I wasn't really watching the Belmont Stakes. You know what, what I was watching at the time. Uh, uh, a penalty kick shootout? I don't know. 
Actually, I was watching nothing. I was doing yard work. But I, I, uh, I took the, I DVR this USA soccer game, and they start the game started six. Post time, I think for the race was six fifty. So I waited until after we got my daughter down last night, and I started watching the game. Watched it from like nine to eleven, and I was watching, and I didn't check any anything, didn't answer text, didn't do anything because I was like, I don't want to know what what happened in the game. Like yep. you know, yep. we yep. talked yep. about with that show, yep. with the DVR. Like you don't want to know anything. Right. And so, and like with baseball, you were able to catch up. Soccer, it's forty five minutes. Then they have like fifteen minutes of yeah. commercials. Then forty five minutes. So you. Fast yeah, forward through yeah. the commercials, but you're watching the entire game because it's like things can happen real quickly. So I was watching, and at the bottom line, they kept on kind of saying, uh, Belmont post time 650, like this horse. And I was like, this is already over, but I'm kind of interested to see yeah. like how this plays out. Yeah. So I'm watching the game, and then like in the second half, it's like, uh, breaking news. Uh, like the horse does not win. I was like, you know what? That's, I don't know. It's a minute and a half. Yeah, that's, that's what I said. But it's, I don't know. It is. I don't think it's fair, but that's. I, I, it, I've never seen it happen. It always happens. Like they're always all this hype. They've been there've been like twelve horses since '78 that kind of went in thinking that they're going to yeah. win the yeah. uh, the triple, triple crown, crown, and it never yeah. happened. So I kind of figured that was going to happen. Speaking of DVR, I DVR something last night, twelve a.m. The uh, that thirty for thirty, the bad boys with the Pistons. I haven't seen that, but I really, heard, I heard it's great. Yeah, it's good. I haven't seen it, so I DVR'd it last night, and hopefully I'll be able to watch it today at some point. Yeah, it's definitely good. Uh, it's a, it's a good little good little flick. Good little flick. That's what they they uh, they did a lot with. You know, they, it was really good with it because they talked about like when Mahorn got uh, left for the Minnesota Timberwolves yeah. in the expansion draft, and it was like, wow, you know, it really started kind of killing it off, which sucks. I. Uh, they have the little thirty for. Th- you ever see those shorts? Thirty for thirty shorts. So, people keep telling me to watch them, and there's like some really good ones Dude, that I should be watching. They did one with Pete Rose, and you know me and Pete Rose. Oh, so I saw I, that one. That was pretty good. Yeah, with um, where he's like in the, he's just walking around, around signing autographs. Yeah. And then they did one on Sean Bradley, which I didn't see, but no, someone was telling me about the Sean Bradley. I was a. What the hell can you talk about, Sean? Talk to Sean? Why would you make it? Th- I mean, is he a bu- like? Cause he's no, a they bu- they said it was really good though. The Sean Bradley one was really good. They did a thirty for thirty on Sean Bradley and like showed him where he is now. Those, and, th- those thirty for thirties are great. Yeah, they're they're good. It was. Uh, I didn't see that one. That's the one I do want to see. I feel like we talked about in this sh- in the, on the show. Like what? I don't really talk to other people. So yeah, I don't just, talk, yeah about thirty for thirties. <laughs> I I think the Bo Jackson one was really good. Yeah, I saw um, that one. I wasn't that big on the broke one when all the athletes are broke. I kind of like that. Did you? I don't know. Like, because it just so shows like how stupid some people are. Like they, I mean, I'm glad Sean Salisbury's broke. I hate that guy. <laughs> Wait. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The old quarterback. Yeah. The the, well, people just don't. People do. It's like when you, you, you need some furniture. No. Nah. Pool sticks. <laughs> uh, the people don't really understand how. Uh, how crazy it is when you when you're when you're playing and it's it is it's a different lifestyle and you there's just so much happening and there's every the money's right there in front of you and you're watching these guys drop like 300 400 500 bucks a night it's it's tough to to have that self control but at the same time I'm like I don't know maybe I was just born born differently but I was like well well you were born differently than Willie Shoemaker that's for sure <laughs> you weighed more than a pound didn't you Oh, Christ. So, yeah, I don't know. 
the Brooks series was definitely I I I was a fan. I liked it. I thought it was. I'm uh, trying to think of what other ones. The Book of Eli, the Eli Manning one was. They had a really good one on what's his name, the dude from Chicago. Uh, yes. The, the the kid who was who got shot in high school, who was like predicted to be the next big thing. So. All right. Um, let's go to the phone here, Kev. I believe we have Christina Fogey on the line. Christina, are you there? Yep, I'm here. Hey, how are you? You're, you're hey, on, Christina, how are you? You're on with Mike and Kev. I'm What's good. going on? How are you guys? Good, good. Hey, we just want to talk to you a little bit. Th- First of all, thanks for coming on with us. Um, we just want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, obviously your your pro career and your time at Vanderbilt. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, uh, you know, as many people know, uh, you know, you made you got drafted 24th overall by the Minnesota Lynx, and yep. um, you know, you made it to the final cut, and unfortunately, they decided to go a different way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in, ter- in terms of the team, uh, what, what is that like? A person like you, who from high school you score over two thousand points, college, SEC, all you know, SEC leading scorer in the SEC for two years, all time threes made, you know, all that stuff. What is it like going from always being one of the top players to now kind of okay, um, I didn't make the team, now I have to get back? Like, what, what's the mind frame? What's your mind frame now? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a switch in mindset because, as you said, coming straight out of college, um, everyone who's drafted is probably one of the best in their conference or at least in the nation. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, going to getting drafted to the champions, I knew it was going to be a challenge with people like Maya Moore, Simone Augustus, Lindsey Whalen, all being Olympians. So, um, you know, I got out there and worked hard and unfortunately it didn't work out. Um, but it's just basically staying in shape this summer and working with my agents to try and go overseas and, Thankfully, I was drafted, so obviously that puts me in a really um, elite category, and it makes it a little easier to go overseas. So uh, it's just basically staying in shape for the next two months. I'm getting ready for that. Now, Chris, the uh, you know with the WNBA, I know it's not the same as the NBA, where it's 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 WNBA. The NBA is like very cutthroat. If you're not producing in mm-hmm. that amount of time, it's like they're getting rid of you. Now the WNBA, yep. I know it's like they they more wait for injuries and things like that. Do you do you kind of are you kind of still every day going after it, just doing the same work, just in case that something someone gets injured? Because we, I mean, you that's what that's what we're talking about. You know, Minnesota, right. you're you're behind some of the best three Olympians. You go to another team, you would you you could be the star. So are you kind of right. still staying there waiting waiting? Maybe they'll get the call to another team. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the motivations to staying in shape is you never know when your number is going to be called. And um, the agents, they constantly keep in communication with me and uh, let me know that I am, um, because I was drafted in the second round, I am someone that they could potentially bring up uh, if injuries happen over the next few months before the playoffs. So uh, you definitely got to stay in shape and be ready. Uh, And uh, it's just something that motivates me is just to constantly remember that I can still have a chance um, at the WNBA level. Chris, t- talk a little bit about, you know, your high school. You, you played at Lenape High School in New mm-hmm. Jersey. Um, and, and then, and obviously you played, you played AAU at Fencor, which is one of the top programs, you yep. know, AAU, and one of the top AAU programs around. What, what do you think prepared you more for the college in, in terms of competition and getting ready for college? Do you think right. it was more the high school or the AAU um, or a combination of both? Well, yeah, it, I would think it, um, for the most part, it's a combination of both. Uh, I think Lenape, when I came through South Jersey, we had a bunch of D1 players we played against. 
you know, Laura Sweeney, Tara Booker, all these players that were Division One high level, also playing at a high level in AAU. And um, and then in the springtime, I was going over and playing for Fencor, who's a nationally ranked team. I played in national tournaments all over the country. So I think it was a combination of both. And I think Fencor kind of exposed me to, you know, the highest level of players. So I wasn't just playing people from this area, but I was playing, like, Brittany Griner I was in the tournament with. I played a bunch of girls that were, you know, later on drafted in the top ten of the WNBA. Some were All-American in college. So uh, I think AAU exposed me to the level that I needed to play at in order to be successful, you know, in college. What, what do you think was the biggest difference between high school and college? Obviously, I've, you know, mm-hmm. obviously we know we know the talent level is more than right, right. The grind, and I mean, how, how much harder on your body and physically and mentally is it making that jump from high school to college, and especially playing at yeah. Vanderbilt, which is one of the top programs in the country? Yeah, it was uh, for me. It was definitely a challenge, uh, time management wise, because not only did I go to a school that you know top twenty five basketball, but also a top twenty academic institution institution. So it took a lot of my time to manage both settings and uh, you know, practices are now four hours instead of hour and a half two and travel in the SEC, like you can't drive down the street to Cherokee from Lenape and now you're flying <laughs> across the country to Texas A and M. So, you know, it takes a lot of a lot of getting used to and a lot of time. Um, in order to be good, you have to throw on top of the individual work. So uh, if you don't want to do the individual work, then you're not going to succeed and get to the pro level. So uh, it took a lot of time, and I think that was my biggest adjustment because in high school I didn't necessarily want to spend eight hours a day working at basketball, but uh, in college you kind of have to if you want to get where you want to go. Yeah. Now, Chris, uh, you know, you talked about kind of the, the next step. If nothing happens over the summer at the WNBA, there's there's obviously a lot of leagues in Europe. Uh, right. I know th- I know that you know Russia, Poland, China, they have really good re- leagues. Do you have any kind of have you had any feelers out as to what destination you would most likely go to? Um, yeah, I have a, a few uh, countries that were in the talks to. Uh, I personally would love to play in the French league or Spain. Uh, but to me, I'm almost open to a lot of places just because, I mean, going over in Europe would be a great experience. And mm-hmm. I think my only I think my only criteria is that it's a WNBA-level um, league and it's not somewhere that, you know, I could score 30 points but and win every game but then not get better. So I think that's certain, certain things that I've been looking for is just competition, like scenery, like living like environment, what it will be like. So um, it's a few things that go into it. Mm-hmm. Chris, what's the, what what now is your next kind of step looking to the towards the WNBA? Because I'm assuming that that's that's your ultimate goal is playing the WNBA. Mm-hmm. Um, what what happens now? I mean, you got drafted, you know, you got you got waived. So do you now do workouts for other teams? I mean, how, what's the, how does how does it go from here in order for you to get onto another WNBA team? Right. Um, well, once the thing about being drafted is once you're drafted, you yeah. know. Yeah, like the Minnesota Licks scooped me up before a few other teams that were interested. Uh-huh. And um, the good news is that for this next year, um, as I work continuously at what specifically needs to be, you know, be addressed in the WNBA, what their shooting guards are needed for. And, you know, for me, my more of my issue was I was strictly a two and a three, whereas I don't have the height. So mm-hmm. I can strictly work on being a one and a two, and that probably makes me more appealing to other other teams. 
And once I get that down, I could easily get back in um, next May. It just depends on what team probably is interested in. You know, Europe will help me a lot with that and film, sending them in to my agent, sending them into teams and um, sending it back to the links because they told me to uh, work on certain things. So if I achieve that, maybe they would want me next year. So um, it's just a lot of, like, staying on top of your game and constantly getting better and not being satisfied. And um, hopefully uh, a team will still be interested after the season. Well, Chris, what do you think – what do you think the big? Uh, well, I, I guess having three Olympians at that position that you're playing is, right. is obviously tough to tough, uh, you know, line up to crack. But like watching you shoot, your lights out from three. Obviously, mm-hmm. your Vanderbilt's all-time leading shoot uh, three-point, you know, shooter made three-pointers made. You, you shoot the lights out from anywhere in the court. You're a scorer. Um, you know, it's just hard for me to believe that you can't. You know, you you shouldn't be playing in the WNBA somewhere. Yeah, and there's got to be somewhere where. I mean, everybody, you look at, especially the NBA, like, everybody's looking for shooters. You shoot the lights out. Like, oh, there yeah. has to be, obviously, somewhere for you to play. And my only thing is, like, why would the Lynx draft you if they have those players at that position? That yeah, just, it, make, it just makes no sense to me. And I'm kind of mad um, about it. As far as, <laughs> as far as, like, the draft, I was, well, from what was told to me, that I was the best uh, guard available. So, right. a lot of times, teams either do one or two things when they come to the draft. They draft the person that they need and they draft the position that they need or they mm-hmm. draft the best player available. So, right. for me, I fell into the second category. I don't think necessarily they needed a guard, but mm-hmm. I was the best player available, so they felt that they were obligated to, you know, take me in. And it's hard when you're going up against my more for that position because obviously no one's going to be her out. She's probably right. one of the best in the world. Mm-hmm. Um but at the same time, I am happy that the Lynx did draft me because they're the champions and they're so highly respected that it's great to have that on my resume. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's it's kind of like a two-way streak. And if the WNBA had 15-player rosters, I'd probably be on the team. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, I guess it's just something that a lot of people actually come and go pretty fast in the WNBA. So hopefully mm-hmm. I can get back in. Uh, but I've learned, you know, from the experience. So I'm pretty grateful for it. No, no. You kind of talked about what you what you've learned. You know, playing against uh, Maya Moore every single day. Right. Uh, in terms of leadership, in terms of you know, uh, as a young player watching a veteran like that, what did you kind of take away from that experience? Uh, you know, not just specifically skills, but just kind of watching her leadership. What did you take away oh, yeah. in terms of like how you know how you can develop as like a you know as a leader as well? Right. Well, I mean, one thing on Maya is she just has a constant motor. Uh, you can tell when she's tired, but that doesn't stop her from going 110%. And I don't know how she does it, how she pushes through, but uh, it's just mental. It, it, I mean, I'm sure she developed it well before UConn, uh, and that only carried her to multiple championships in college and WBA championships. She just wins at every level, and it's no uh, – it's no, uh, you know, it, it's no reason that she didn't – win the next few uh, championships and stuff because, you know, she does, she leads really well and she takes her team to new heights. So it's no coincidence that she won on every level. It's just something that, you know, she's just constantly working and she makes us work as hard as she does. And we're not going to stop until, um, we're not going to stop the drill until we do it correctly and we do it right. And, you know, that's the difference between a lot of leaders and Maya is that once we do the drill, you know, if it's done correctly, great. But Maya wants it done a certain way and in a championship way. So uh, 
you know, it's pretty it's pretty uh, intense, and it's a lot of attention to detail, but I think that attention to detail is what makes her, you know, probably the best in the world. Well, you, you brought up, one last thing, Chris, you brought up UConn. Now, obviously, UConn wins the national championship all the time, but, they, you know, obviously they get very good players, but so do a lot of other Go colleges. Ahead. What... What is it that makes – I mean, is it Gino? Is that what makes them – I think is, it is. That, think is that it what is. puts them over the top? Because, obviously, they get great players, but so does Maryland. So does Vanderbilt. Right. So does, oh, yeah, yeah. So does Tennessee, LSU. So why is it that they just – Notre Dame, why is it that they get – Why? how is it that they can win every year? I think it's, is it, yeah, I think it's Gino. I think uh, he's mastered the plan, and I think he's an unbelievable coach, and – you know, like I said, with Maya, I think he has the same kind of drive, the same attention to detail. And, you know, because I play against Tennessee three times a year, and they have some of the best athletes yep. in, in the country, like by right. far, probably even some better than those UConn girls. But right. the thing is, is that those girls, not only are they semi, like, athletic, obviously they're Division One players, but they're smart. They work mm-hmm. hard. They work at a championship level. And uh, Gino knows how to, you know, put the system in and it just turns into 40 wins a year. So, uh, yeah, it kind of reminds you like, I think he really uh, puts the, you know, cherry on the top of everything, honestly. Yeah. It kind of reminds you of like Duke and and Mike Krzyzewski. Mm -hmm. Like they don't get the great players, but that systems, you know, same type of thing, uh, where they always win. Um, Chris, listen, it was great for you to come on and spend a few minutes with us, uh, you know, kind of talking about your career and where you're going. Um, you know, keep in touch. You know, obviously yeah, we'll keep in touch. Let us know uh, what happens. You're going to be obviously playing overseas, and you know you're going to get back to the WNBA shooting the ball like you do. So, Chris, well, thank yeah, you. If, this summer, if you feel free to come by uh, uh, Cherry Hill East and beat up on my girls. I know you're a lousy <laughs> girl, but feel feel free to come by and uh, beat up on them. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a text, and we will we'll love to have you. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Chris. Goodbye. All right, bye bye. Okay, bye bye. Great, well, there Chris, you have it. Great story about Chris. Uh, she uh, she came. I remember when we trained her. She yeah. would just you would line her up, and you know she talked about her height. She's what five eight, five, five nine. Nine-ish, yeah. Yeah. So she, you know, she for a girl, she's tall, but for you know, like some of these guys, some of these high school guys, yeah. they're six two, six three. They they think they're the best player in their yeah. team, the best player in the conference, yeah. and you'd line them up against Chris, and they just they'd be like looking at you like you're crazy like right. why am i playing against a girl right the next thing you know she's dropping threes in yeah your eye. it's like five nothing she would just yeah. shoot and then you you just be like guys she's really yeah, good it's funny she told a, she told me a funny story about her dad uh jim uh you know real nice guy um notre dame was on notre dame was recruiting christina out of high school uh-huh but she said it's really before notre dame kind of got to be where they are now yeah when it was in the national championship you know top program in the country she said that, but SEC was in the tournament like for the last so, however many years. She said she said she said they almost tricked her, like you know, like we're Vandy were in the tournament all the time, and Notre Dame was just kind of on the up and yeah. rise, and her dad was kind of getting on her, like you know, obviously Notre Dame is a great school, so is Vandy, so you can't yeah. go wrong with going to no. either of those schools for basketball or the, the you know the academics. But it was just funny. She said, huh? She said Vandy kind of tricked me, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> well, she it, it, she's so much fun to watch, and you know, kind of knowing uh, a girl. Uh, who plays at such a high level that I mean, Mike and I know a lot of uh, younger players who go on to college and play. That's like the, the, the most exciting yeah. thing is I, I used to, we used to text each other and be like, Oh, Chris is playing at this time. And yeah. we'd be watching the Va- Vanderbilt game and stuff like that. I'd be turning in well, a bar well, being well, like, well, turn well, to Vanderbilt. Well, very rarely. 
especially the small South Jersey, do you mm-hmm. get do you get ki- people? There's a lot of I shouldn't say a lot. There's D1 players come out yeah. of South Jersey, obviously, but elite not, not D1, to the yeah. length of not to. Well, she's one of the best girl players ever ever come out of this area. Yeah, I mean, you're talking you're talking her, Crystal Langhorn, mm-hmm. Jackie Dime. I mean, she's in rare company in terms of the girls who come out of South Jersey, but you don't see girls playing at the high, high level. They're, yeah. they're, they're playing on ESPN all the time. Uh-huh. You know, ESPN, yeah. whether it's the Deuce or, you know, ESPNU. <laughs> the Deuce. Um, so, yeah, so it's always fun watching somebody on TV who, who, you, who you know pretty well. I and mean, it's a good person that you're rooting for. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, best of luck to Chris <clears throat> as she uh, goes goes on and continues her basketball journey. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting to kind of hear, you know, we don't really talk a lot about WNBA, but it's it's – I coach women's basketball now, so I kind of I start watching it, and yeah. uh, you, you really get a, a sense. I mean, people don't even well, understand how good, and and you know, even got, like the the average you know Joe who goes and plays basketball, he thinks that he can probably. And it's funny because I I thought the same way. I was like, my high school team could probably beat the WME champions. We would have no shot. A good high school team would would get murdered by that cuz the, the, these girls are big and strong yeah, now. The, the the difference there's no difference. The only difference between men and women's NBA but the NBA WNBA is size and speed and the, the games played above the rim of the NBA and below the rim of the WNBA. Yeah. Basketball is still basketball. Yeah. You're still running plays. You're just not instead of running alley for men, you're running backdoor cuts with a bounce pass. Yeah. So it's still basketball. It's like, just, can, it's, can you imagine lining up like a a good high school center lining up against Griner? Like she'd she'd be elbowing him, pushing right. him out of the way, dunking on him. It's right. like you know, it's it's it is. You, you you joke about it and you think it's you know it's not. Some of these guys that that talk trash about the WNBA probably think that they can compete in it. They would get blown out of blown out. It's it's pretty funny. I mean, I've watched Christina Fogey play a lot, and uh, I've seen her play in person. I've actually lined up again. It's like she's very very good. And this is when she was in high school. Right. And like early college, so right. that's right. things have changed. She's gotten a, a lot stronger, a lot better. So, kind of changing tunes now, uh, Mike. We have about ten minutes, ten more minutes. NBA game uh, two, NBA Finals game two is tonight, San Antonio, Miami. Uh, let's 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 break it down. Uh, you know, the the air conditioner is going to be back on. Both teams Maybe. are going to be in full. <laughs> the AC is going to be back on. Uh, both teams are in full. You know, full, everyone's recovered. LeBron's better. Uh, you're going to see a shootout tonight. What are you th- What are you looking for to happen? I'm looking for the Heat to. I'm looking for LeBron to come out and make a statement, like he usually does after a poor game. Yeah. If you look at his poor games he's had in the playoffs, dating back to even Cleveland, that next game, look out, because he's because he's going to look. I feel like early he's going to look for some isolations, trying to get off, get his off early. Um, and I expect I expect him to have a big game. But that being said, I still think the Spurs can win this game. The X factor is always Dwayne Wade, and the X factor for uh, the Spurs a lot of times is Manu Ginobili. Ginobili came in off the bench yard. They hit those three big threes, uh, kind of got the place all fired up. But I, I just think I, I, I think the Heat win tonight's game. Mm-hmm. I think they will win the game. I hope the Spurs can win. But if I had a bet, a gun to my head, I think the Heat win and LeBron goes off. And then, the, and then, the, then now. The Heat have kind of stolen back home. Court yeah, they did. And, uh, I just, I, I, I'm see. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go the opposite way, but I'm gonna go off, jump off a statement you made earlier. The Spurs did not play well. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. They had 23 turnovers. 
they did not play well at all. They looked like crap sometimes, and they still won. Yep. Now you can blame it on the on the faulty air conditioner or whatever you want to blame it on. That basketball game was not at all the, span, the what the level it needs to be. So to go through, if I'm the Spurs and your mindset has to be now, and this is what their mindset is, you know what? We played terribly. Like we got away with one. That can't happen again. Like we play like that, we're going to get blown out tonight. Like their mindset's going to be a little different. I think they're going to see the Spurs, the Miami has a chip on their shoulder because they have to win this game. LeBron needs to come back. The Spurs have a chip on their shoulder too, saying, you know, we played horrible. I would almost think this game is. A more, I would almost think that this game, the Spurs have to win this game. I, I think this game is going to. I think you, you're going to see both teams coming out so fired up. If the Spurs up. win this game, now they go there thinking, the Spurs win this game. If they win this game, yeah. the Heat definitely win game three. Oh, absolutely. At home, yeah. fine. But the Spurs have to st- – I mean, obviously, the Spurs yeah. have to take one of them. But they they don't have to take one of those games, though. Uh-uh. They can lose both of those games, and they go back home 2-2. So the, I, if the Spurs win this game tonight, they're obviously – I'm not making a, uh, I'm not making a yeah. profound statement. They're obviously in good position. But I think they have to win this game more than the Heat, though. I do too. I think, I think the Heat can win four in a row. I agree, and I think you know you go into the two, uh, the two two one 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 uh, system. It does become it, it, it. It's like you go out and you're like, okay, we have to get one of the. You know, you lose now. You have to get one of them, or else Miami's going to have another game at home, and they could steal one. It's like you you go through. Yeah. It's like they could win two games at home. Now it's three one. Yeah. Like, and you're going back to like three two going back to Miami. I like the two the two two one 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 better. Yeah. Because to me the two three two it gave too much of an advantage to the away the the, the team without the home court advantage because that game five is the most critical game. And yeah. when the away the, the non home court advantage has game five, that's not fair. No, I agree. Like the the, the, the home the home court advantage team has to have game five. Yeah. Because that's obviously the most important game of the series. I I, I, I think. I agree. I think that could easily be two two and now game five is the game uh-huh. where you gotta win. Yeah, and it's yeah and when, that, it, it when, when it's the non-home team. That's not you right feel that me. momentum. Yeah, and I think too, it's too. I actually thought the two-three-two gave more advantage to the team that the won. away team. Yeah, because you could steal, you a steal game, one, and yeah. now you have three games at home. Yeah, I mean, three in a row. So I didn't like that either. Two-two-one-one-one is, is like way it. better. And, and what I like it is in between game six and seven. If it goes to seven, there's two game. There's two days in between. Yeah. So it kind of gives the guys to rest up a little bit to have a you know come out full strength for the game seven. And this one's, you know, not that, you know, you're not flying. You're not, you're, you're only going yeah, San yeah, Antonio yeah. to uh, yeah, yeah. Miami. It's not like you're, you're flying across the country. Well, Kev, real, real quick, all the, um, all the fire fans, man, I agree. Carter and Richards, they were just bad. They yeah. were bad clubhouse guys. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, I don't really know much about the, about hockey, but at the same, looking out and you're like, wow. The the rain. Well, here's the thing that I I need. We we should ask ourselves. People blasted the Flyers and said, you know, Holmgren needs to go. Uh, they need to get rid of. They need a new coach. Uh, yep. Ruby's not yep. not the right guy. There's all there's this that and the other kind of being said about the Flyers because they're like, how do you lose to the Rangers? The Rangers don't have a star, Martin St. Louis. The Rangers are in the in the, the NHL the, finals. It's the, like, the, doesn't that shut up people who might not like the Flyers? Out of every single series that the Rangers played, the Flyers have given them the the toughest game. I mean, it was, went to Game Seven. It was a close. It's like that's what I'm saying. The, the Flyers 
had the opportunity to be there. And who knows, you, you could go through the Flyers could have been in the same position. So to, to kind of go through and really bash the Flyers, they play, they went up against the NHL champ, uh, the Eastern Conference champions, champions yeah. right off the bat. So I'm not really going to go and blast them just yet. Uh, but I don't know. It is frustrating to see Michael, Mike Richards and uh, Jeff Carter and Justin, Justin Williams, Williams yeah. going out and being the stars for LA. And you're like, well, well look, you know, that 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 that's Philadelphia's management problem. I mean, how is it that it can work in LA but it couldn't work in in, in Philly? Yeah, doesn't make sense. They're playing like their third Stanley Cup in five years. Especially when you're in LA. Like I feel like right. there's way more distractions out there. Right. Like the 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 whole knock against Richards and Carter were they were out every night. They were betting Park every heads. betting every single woman in South Philly. But Who uh, cares? So is that every hockey player? Yeah, is. seriously. But that's the whole thing. Is like you go betting. <laughs> betting. What does that mean? I don't know. Couching? Where are they that, taking them? What does that mean? Betting. Icing? <laughs> so they... Uh, Call for a high stick. <laughs> so they're... Uh, yeah. I, th- there was a lot of distractions. People said they weren't good clubhouse guys. They were kind of... They were very young at the think, time. I always think the good clubhouse guy is just a very overrated thing. Well, it's t- I don't know enough about hockey to kind of determine... Not, I'm You're not, playing I'm not ever- about baseball, too, like... Like to me, like Darren Dalton, he's a good clubhouse guy. Like I want, I want a guy who's going to hit home runs and help me win. I don't care, like yeah, you know. There's something to be Randy said about. If Randy was a good clubhouse guy, like I, he can't yeah, you have stick. to, you have to, you have to have good clubhouse guys combined with guys that can play. You can't just get a guy in there because he's a good clubhouse guy. Like is Chase Utley a good clubhouse guy? He keeps to himself. That's what I mean. Like Chase Utley to me, he leads by example. But you know he. All right, let's talk about this real quick yeah. because we have about two minutes yeah. left. The Phillies are just – it's one of those things where you have to – like, you have to blow this team up. Yeah. Because the yeah. problem is now you're looking at this team and you're going, well, you have a – you have a, still have one of the top ten salaries uh, in the baseball. You're one of the worst teams in baseball. You have the oldest veterans in baseball. They're producing. And I thought I was watching the movie Cocoon the other night, <laughs> watching this team. Isn't Wilford Brindley in the yes, head, too? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Lots of Wilford Brindley but, uh, references but tonight. The, you can't allow everyone to get old at the same time, and that's what the Phillies did. Yeah. You, listen, blow, eat, get rid of Howard. Eat, eat, you got yeah. to eat $10 million eat or whatever? It. Yep. Eat it. Eat it. Get, trade Hamels now, because yeah. you can probably get a couple of nice prospects exactly. for him. Trade Burnett uh, or get whatever. Same thing. Get, eat uh, Bert, you get some prospects from the, – the problem is uh, – And this whole, this, whole, this whole thing with Jimmy Rollins, I don't want to be traded until I break a record. He's six hits shy of the Phillies record. I'd wait until he, t- he gets one hit shy and, and then pull him back to the dugout and trade him. Yeah. Well, he's got the no trade. Or just do it, do anything. Sit him. I don't care. Uh, Utley, get rid of him. Get, get rid of them all. Cody Ashy needs to stay. Uh, Ruiz, get something. For, I mean, I'm just saying. Get you any, have zero – you have nothing. You the, might be able to get something for Mar- a little something for Marlon Bird. Yeah, Marlon Bird. But the problem is you have nothing in the farm system that is either. The problem. And it's like you have a team that's horrible on the uh, in the major league level. And then you look at the farm system. And then system. the farm system is even worse. It's like this team has completely imploded. It's time to just but, start but, over but again. Who, who's who's down? Like who are our scouts? Like what are, what the hell are they looking at? Well, there's too much at? there's too much loyalty. Well, I was talking to my dad. My dad was telling we were talking about it the other day and he's like, "You know what?" When when my grandpa came in, Paul Owens, he he walked in. He's like, what in seventy three or seventy four? He walked in. He's like, listen, uh, not like a dick, but a, sheriff in town. Yeah, he he wasn't a dick, but he's like, you know, 
I'm going to evaluate all of you. If you if I don't like it, you're out. So he fired like most yeah. of his staff, most of his scouts and stuff, just to kind of say, you know what? Yeah, this is the way it the needs Phillies to be. Are too loyal. There's just too much loyalty there, and it's it's frustrating because now that now that loyalty has led you to down this road, and now you're going to be bad for at least five, six, seven years. Oh, you have no. Sh- I mean, it's just you, you've killed the fan base. You've you've put out a, a sh- the, the the ballpark is the ballpark isn't working anymore. Everybody wanted to go see the ballpark yeah. when it was new, and then you're waiting. Well, listen. Now the ballpark's nice, but I also want to see some wins. Yeah, let's spend all our money on pitchers at a hitter's ballpark. Nice. Uh, show brought to you tonight by by Foam Pack, supplier of all Greco products. We are just a phone call away. Eight 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 four five eight two nine two eight. Also by Integrated Play and Renee Shaw. If you're an athlete looking to transition into a career outside the athletic field. Contact Renee, 269-760-3857. Finally, Cross River Realty, specializing in off-campus housing at Temple University. Cross River Realty is also a full-service real estate company located in Philadelphia. Check them out at CrossRiverRealty.com, 267-460-5737. Mike and I, uh, another show in the books. Uh, thanks again for everyone everyone listening and catching up Uh had some really big episodes that we're pretty proud of uh, in terms of how many people are actually out there listening to us. Uh, I don't know if today's one of them. <laughs> but, uh, it is. Yeah, it is. It's always up there. But we want to thank everyone for uh, joining us, and uh, we'll see you guys. Oh, by the way, we're going to leave you with a, with a special song because I got a, a lot of haterade the other day for people who are like, oh, if you ever play this song as your outro again. So. The InSync? See ya. Yeah.